This is Storage Unpacked. Subscribe at storageunpacked.com. This is Chris Evans with the Storage Unpacked podcast, and I'm here today, actually uh, in Woolwich, of all places in London, um, with Coz, otherwise known as John Colgrove from Pure Storage. Coz, great to see you again. Great to see you. I think the last time we met, we were talking Coca-Cola stories, um, but we're not doing that today. We're sitting in a, a sort of a, a different type of scenario. We're in a, I guess it looks like it might be the kitchen area of the, of the, at the back of the, um, the event, just trying to find somewhere that we can do a quick podcast catch some of the atmosphere of the event you've got today, which is your Pure Accelerate in London. So just very quickly, how have you found the, the event in London so far this time? Uh, well, as usual, I brought my California weather with me. And the, the shorts. Last, uh, few yep. days, and that helps with the shorts. Um, yep. uh, you know, I unfortunately don't get to sightsee as much as I'd like because I have too many meetings and things and too short a time. But, uh, you know, the event... Uh, you know, we just finished the main keynotes and such, and uh, I think it's great to see all the people here. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot of fun things we've been talking about with folks. Excellent. It's good. I mean, one of the things you just said before we started recording, you, you talked about buildings and how the background on the landscape um, drawing of your um, of your Accelerate logo, I think is probably the best way to describe it, had a lot of new buildings you'd never seen before. And I guess maybe that reflects the changing sort of face of London. Yeah, I, it's something I noticed uh, this summer, too, when I was in New York as well. Um, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, so I lived across in the River. New York my whole life. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, you've always had, like, the Empire State Building and such. But now there's so many new buildings and, and a lot of more imaginative architecture and things. And you come to a place like London and you see the same thing, a lot of new things and change. And it's nice to see... I mean, you want to see the old stuff, but you want to see that there's some dynamics yeah, and change. Uh, it's, it's exciting. And I've been in a few places. Um, you know, I had dinner uh, last time I was here, you know, up at in, in the Shard. And oh, yeah. yeah. I've been to a few other, uh, you know, like of the newer buildings and newer places. And it's fun to see. I rode the London Eye a few years ago. Uh, and... Same thing, it's just a different perspective on the city. Absolutely. So, we, you know, you've, you've given us a good sort of line into a conversation there, talking about change and perspective and all those sort of things. And it's interesting to see that, you know, in the last, say, 10 years, the industry has changed significantly. We've moved away from the idea of hard drives. In fact, interestingly, you've got this sort of perception that hard drives might be gone in five years' time. Uh, we've seen a, a, a push towards... Uh, towards, I should say, a demand for AI-type um, data. So performance has improved, but at the same time, people are talking about things like sustainability. So there's a lot of complex stuff going on that people haven't to manage in their day-to-day -day work. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And, uh, you know, you look at the way data centers are built and things like the power budgets are incredibly important. I was talking to an organization uh, last week, actually, and they have a new AI deployment they're looking to do. Uh, it's like 400 petabytes of data. They need 48 terabytes a second of I.O. throughput to it. So you're never going to get that wow. with disk. That's always going to be flash. But the bigger thing, oh, all of that has to fit within a two megabyte, or pardon me, a two megawatt power budget. Oh, wow. Okay. And 
you know, that's becoming an increasing thing. Um, what can I fit in my data center? What can my data center power? Uh, and so it's one of the things that I think that's going to continue to change the way people think about designing their data centers. It's less about how big is it or how much computer, but it's how much power goes into it. So we, did, we didn't really sort of give you a proper introduction, but you know, your job title used to be CTO, but now you're, I, used, I don't remember seeing you called yourself Chief Vision Officer. I don't know whether you still use that. I mean, you're co-founder of the company. You can choose any title you like, but you know, you're sort of focusing on the vision of where we're going. I think that's probably the best description. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that is part of it. That's part of why we kind of picked that title. Uh, and you know, the vision's fun. I get to work on pushing all the new stuff. I get to work on pushing everybody at Pure into doing the new fun and exciting stuff. And I like that. And, and in terms of vision then, I mean, you look at what we've just talked about. We talked about sustainability. We talked about things like power restrictions. Patrick on stage earlier talked about Ireland and having something like 20 to 25% of its power budget is dedicated towards data centers, which clearly is unsustainable. Um, and some of your other colleagues are on, or guests are on stage talking about their 98% reduction in power usage because they'd swapped out and used your technology. So clearly there are buttons that are being pressed by people, but at the same time, you've got to think about how you build that into your strategy going forward. So, you know, there's a product design, there's a product thinking, there's an evolution that you've looked at long-term that, you know, would be interesting just to understand. Yeah, there's, you know, as you do think about the products long-term, there is always this demand for new features. What customers never really come in demand, but they all actually want is greater efficiency. Yeah. And so one of the things that I do always bring into focus is every release, every year, we should be looking at how do we get more storage behind the same compute, more storage behind the same power, more storage in the same footprint. Uh, and it pays off big time. Uh, as an example, our flash blade uh, the Gen 1 of the flash blade, the, the, the older systems, uh, they would produce 62%, roughly speaking, usable flash okay. after you took all the overheads out uh, and, and such. By, uh, let's call it three, four months from now, those same, the second generation flash blades will be up to 78% usable. Okay. Right? And you have to allow some overhead for garbage collection. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You have to allow some overhead for metadata. Yeah, you have to allow some overhead uh, you know, for various bits of you know, RAID, the, like the RAID protection, the erasure coding. And when I'm saying 78% versus the 62, that's covering all of that stuff. So now you flip it around. That means a customer that buys a product for the same amount of flash now gets 30% more space. Yeah independent of any data reduction, uh, independent of anything else. Um, we're going to do a new flash array chassis uh, soon. And the old flash array, we had NVRAM devices in there. And so if you look at the front of the chassis, you have 20 slots for our direct flash modules, and then four slots for NVRAM. 
and the NVRAMs were called twice as big. I mean, they were almost more like a three and a half inch disc form factor uh, size. Well, now we build uh, what we call distributed NVRAM. Inside our direct flash modules, there's a little bit of NVRAM in every one. That way our NVRAM scales with the system so we get better, more consistent performance. But when we do the new chassis, we'll in the same footprint put slots for eight more direct flash modules. Okay. That gives us greater efficiency on the uh, erasure coding. So that'll be a little bit of a gain. But the bigger gain, the same power footprint, the same space footprint, 28 modules instead of 20, 40% more space for the same power, 40% more storage space for the same physical space. And you do those 30, 40, 50% improvements time after time after time, it adds up to an astounding amount of gains. And that's one of the ways we've been driving sustainability and efficiency in the portfolio. It's interesting. I, I, um, I've been doing some research uh, across the whole vendor sphere of all the different vendors that are producing what I would class as primary storage. One of the things I thought was really interesting going back at looking at another vendor was um, they had a product in around 2000 which weighed about 1.7 tons or was 1700 kilograms, um, had a capacity of about 300 terabytes and throughput of, you know, I guess it was maybe a, a gigabyte of throughput. Um, and it was in a, in a 42 U-inch rack that was you know, going to take, I guess, a few kilowatts of power. And I looked at that and thought, that's a modern SSD. That is a, a normal SSD you would put into a, a something like that. And, in, and this device now weighs 10 grams and can take the capacity of all that system. So now I'm looking at it and saying, well, how do I project what you do today, 20 years into the future, to see how you're going to change what is in my data center today to what might be in my data center in 20 years' time. It's very hard to see where that's going to go. Well, I think, you know, the big thing is, uh, you know, the densities that we'll be able to achieve are just going to be incredible. Now, there's a balance. So as we produce over the next couple of years, you know, we've been very clear. We've got 75 terabyte flash modules. We're going to go to 150 at the end of next year, 300 at the end of the year after that. A lot of people won't need that much storage. Um, they'll find that when they build a system out of all of those uh, devices, it's just yep. too big. And so, you know, the net result is you're going to see people uh, doing different, uh, you know, sort of choosing the different sizes and things, but you play it out. You know, I, I talk on stage about how just going from 10 years, 512 gigabyte SSDs to 75 terabyte direct flash modules, 150 times improvement in power and in space. And, you know, if we did another 150 times over the next 10 years, we'd be producing like 11 petabyte flash devices, right? And these are 11 petabyte flash modules, like the size of my cell phone. Yeah. And, you know, that's just, I think that's going to, our ability to do that will outstrip what people's needs are. So we're going to have to balance what are their sort of the largest size of their fault domains? How much performance do they need? And we're going to have to have a range of things that can, that can meet that at the different sizes. But we will be able to take the power consumption. You know, people talk about, like Patrick was mentioning, 
25% of the storage in data centers, yep. or, or 25% of the power in data centers is storage, you can take that down in order of magnitude. And when you talk about things like 2% of the world's power goes into data centers, a number that's growing, taking the storage piece down in order of magnitude is a gigantic benefit. So you've highlighted a very important point there. Everybody always thinks of scaling up. We always think of that direction going up of saying, well, we're going to do double, we're going to do 10 times the capacity. But actually, there are certain things that need to come the opposite direction and scale down and become fractionally smaller than they were previously. Power being one, space being another. And if we don't do that, we're not going to be sustainable. But it seems to me that's a big challenge. And there are very few companies that are attacking it in the same way you're doing it because you're focusing on the engineering end-to-end. And, and then you look at the, um, the SaaS side of things and the software piece and the management piece. And again, it doesn't seem like anybody else is attacking that in the same way. And you're bringing those together with the commercial angle, which is over the top, and allowing people to consume that all as um, a, a very, very um, holistic commercial offering. So it seems to me the very few companies that have looked at this and got the vision to try and bring all of those three things together. I, th I think you're right. Most of the competitors, in fact, all of the competitors, uh, basically they use SSDs, flash pretending to be a hard drive, and they stuck it into their old architectures and think they've solved the problem. And we have been focused on treating flash like flash and bringing out the benefits of it for more than a decade now. Direct yeah. flash is actually 10 years old. Yep. The, the, that we started doing it. And even before that, we were attempting to write our software to get around the oddities inside the flash translation layers in the drives. Um, with the direct flash, the big thing is we've pulled all the complexity out of the drives. People think, oh, direct flash modules, what's in it is... No, it's not what's in it that's important. It's what isn't in it. Yeah. The complexity isn't in it. That's moved into our controllers. It lets us manage the whole pool of flash, like one thing. It lets us get much more consistency so we can build much better. Uh, it allows us to, it'll allow us to go up as well as down. Because, yeah, I keep talking about these opportunities to replace the millions of hard drives that hyperscalers buy or the thousands of hard drives that enterprises buy. Uh, but at some point, too, you want to replace the single hard drives that consumers buy. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the time has come for the tyranny of spinning disk to end, and that's kind of one of our missions. We're definitely heading that direction, and I think um, it's, it's interesting to look at the development of NAND and all of those technologies, a bit like we look at the development of processes and, and that technology and see how... You, you wouldn't imagine that, for instance, um, the um, extreme ultraviolet technology, you wouldn't imagine that could possibly work to the level it does. I was reading um, a book the other day that said the mirrors are produced by Zeiss, who obviously make lenses and so on, and they, they have a mirror that is so accurate that if they sail, scaled it to the size of Germany, one error on that mirror would be the width of, of a tenth of a millimeter. That's how accurate it's, they've got to be. I find it amazing. Uh, some of the things people do with material science, some of the things yeah. people do with manufacturing now to get that precise. 
Um, and to think we're going to do that with NAND, and NAND will keep growing. Yeah. There'll be other technologies that will come in as well. So, you know, I guess you must just look at it and think, well, the technology should just keep on going, so we've just got to exploit what that techn technology is going to yeah, do. Yeah, there will come a time when it ends, right? Yeah. Just like the, the opportunity for Flash has come because disk reached a point where it found it much more difficult to scale. 20 years ago, disk stopped being able to improve performance. Yep. And about 10, 12 years ago, it started having a lot slower scaling. And that improvement flattening out, that's what opened the door for Flash. Now, I don't know exactly when Flash will uh, start having more trouble improving. Uh, right now, you talk to the Flash manufacturers and they're like, okay, we're 176 layer and we're going to 200 and 300 and they're confident they can get to 800 or 1,000 layers. Yep. Um, so there's quite a ways to go. And much like disk, I mean... I remember in the 1980s, people were saying disks were going to hit this limit or yeah. that limit and not be able to scale. And, you know, the guys who are doing that science, uh, whether it's the material science, the manufacturing, whatever, I mean, they have a lot of years ahead of them of improvement. At some point, maybe in 15 years, maybe in 20 years, Flash will start having trouble improving. Yeah. That's when the next technology can come along. I have no clue what that is yet, but... <laughs> I'd agree. I mean, you know, yeah. it's probably going to be something solid state, something similar, but... And there are technologies, aren't there? There was another memory technology they're calling Ultra RAM, I think is out there being developed, which looks really interesting. But there's probably tons of things in laboratories that we don't even know about yet that people are developing uh, that you may know about, but I certainly don't. Yeah. No, I mean, the biggest thing is the economic scale. So I'll give you a perfect example. I experimented with Optane when Intel was yeah. coming out with it. And I got a set of Optane devices. I'm sort of looking, oh, if we built an array out of all Optane, what would we build? The Optane, way easier to use than Flash, way faster, more reliable, just like better in every way. Right. But it costs 30 times as much and nobody wanted to pay there you go. 30 times as much for their storage. Uh, and then uh, the other thing that happened, so it costs 30 times as much, and then the flash gets denser and cheaper, and all of a sudden it's 50 times as much. It's going the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what we need f uh, for the next technology is we're going to need some market that it can grow in where it is just better than flash, or we're going to need the flash to stop improving so that the new technology has more of a stationary target to move after. Yeah. That's the hardest thing in our industry. With all the improvement we have, anything new that comes along has this huge hill to climb to catch up. But the thing it's trying to catch up to is going uphill even faster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, that, and, and that's the same thing when people talk about the the, the rate of decline of disk and, and um, flash, and people have say the two are sort of declining together, but actually, as you said, now uh, hard drives are not growing as much. The decline of price of, of hard drives is, is bottomed out to a certain degree, whereas yeah. flash is still seeing that, that yeah. drop in price. So it's got the, cho the chance to catch up. So Yeah, and uh, the flash is more volatile, but in the long run, right, if you graph the chart over a number of years, the flash is dropping 25, 30% on average a year, 
and the disk is down to like 10% or so. I think this gives us lots of things to talk about and, and think about in the future, things to watch, things to come back and have another discussion about in, at, at another time. But Carl, for now, thank you very much for your time, just, just giving us some things to think about for the future. It's been great to catch up and I look forward to catch up with you again. Thanks a lot. I look forward to our next chat as well. You've been listening to Storage Unpacked. For show notes and more, subscribe at storageunpacked.com. Follow us on Twitter at Storage Unpacked or join our LinkedIn group by searching for Storage Unpacked Podcast. You can find us on all good podcatchers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.